broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Lee Cantor here with Stone Payton and the inaugural episode of Chattanooga Business Radio. Excited to be here. How's Stone? I am too. And we started the day off right. We uh, strolled, what, maybe less than a block and a half away to the Whole Foods. We like to produce shows not far from specialty grocery stores. I got my bacon. I got my cheese grits. I'm rearing to go. This is going to be a fun segment. You know, we came to town a few weeks ago and we got a chance to visit with some of these folks. So we're going to catch up with them, uh, catch up with some old friends, make some new ones. A little bit later in the program, we're going to get a chance to, to visit uh, with the CMO of Nectar Marketing, Carlos Pialago. We're going to talk with Tim Kelly with ZipFlip. Uh, we're going to get a chance to have a conversation with founder and attorney with Squire Strategies, Dan Gilmore. But first up on Chattanooga Business Radio, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce the two gentlemen that we did get a chance to visit with last time we were in town. We have Michael Greenberg with us. Uh, he's a gentleman of technology. He also has a thing or two to do uh, with a thing called Million Cups. And I can't wait for our listeners uh, to learn more about that. Uh, and Startup Box, he's got a lot of stuff going. So I'm anxious mm-hmm. to catch up on that. Uh, but first, let's hear from Mr. Eric Habeck and uh, maybe learn a thing or two about Suite 307 and just the Chattanooga business landscape in general. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me. Good morning. So uh, why don't you share a little bit about Suite 307? What's your, that's your, I guess, your holding company? Yeah, it is. And so a year and a half ago, got up and going here in uh, Chattanooga and basically just bringing um, items from local markets here in the Chattanooga area to the online market space. So I'm in retail online. And then uh, how'd you get into that? I had a friend that was doing the same thing. It's... um, in Colorado. And so when I moved out here, just, just started doing that on my own. How have you found the Chattanooga business community? Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. So it's been, it's been an amazing journey over the last year and a half. And it's, it's a big city, uh, 250,000 people, but boy, once you get in and plugged in, it's very, very small and very tight knit. It's a great group. Now, how did you go about plugging yourself into the, the business community? I think this is a challenge for a lot of people is trying to find out what their uh, their way of spreading the message of telling people where events are. So here what was interesting was I went up to the fourth floor at the library. And uh, if anybody's not familiar with that, fantastic resource for the Chattanooga area. And the guys there introduced me to the concept called One Million Cups. And it was just a bunch of guys, mainly entrepreneurs, getting together on Wednesday mornings. And then that helped you kind of plug in? Yeah, just from there, just drinking coffee every morning on Wednesday and then just continuing on meeting and then growing those relationships with other people. So it was great to uh, just have one place that just to get started. And I think that's what everybody needs is just that to, to get started. Then once you do, boy, the, it, the business relationships, everything just, just flourishes from there. So what is your backstory? Have you always been an entrepreneur? Or did you have a real job at some point? Or? Yes, I, had, I did have a real job. Um <laughs> And then, uh, so in 2005, I left my job, which was a great job. I was with uh, QT, the convenience store in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. I was a manager for them and went and moved to Colorado to start a business with my father. And that was a coffee shop that I ran for six years in Colorado. So the coffee shops are different now in Colorado, as I understand, a little bit more like those in Amsterdam. <laughs> you're going to revisit the whole Colorado thing? Yeah. So I think for food sales are up. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it's scary when you think about going into a place and really having to you know look the people in the eye and go, "What is in this?" <laughs> I wonder, does that improve customer service or it makes it worse? What I think customers think? are just happier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So what's next for you? You got some plans that you're able and willing to share with the, the crowd on the entrepreneurial front? Yeah. So, um, you know, just really trying again to get plugged into the local community here has been great. Um, I've met, met Michael and just uh, the collab is a fantastic resource here locally and just meeting with those people. And it, it's just if you're around those people, if you're having those conversations, just new business ideas come up all the time. Um, I went ahead and went from kind of an arbitrage model that I was in where I was just buying stuff locally and reselling it to actually sourcing it. Uh, and then all my stuff goes online. So it's a very different from a lot of people is I get to meet a lot of people that go, Oh, what do you do? And I, I, I just, I sell stuff online. What can I buy? Nothing. There's really nothing I'm trying to sell to anybody <laughs> locally. So it's, it, I think it really helps business relationships because I, I don't ask a lot. So now, um, having an online re you have an online retail Correct. establishment you have any tips for someone that's getting into that business? Partner with the best sales channels. Don't, uh, something back in the day was kind of like, you know, start a website and they will come. That is just not true. Uh, I went and did businesses like that before, but go where the sales are. So there's, uh, there's a site called, and this isn't a secret, amazon.com <laughs> <laughs> where you can test stuff and really see and put your product immediately in front of people, get feedback and see if it will sell. So like what's in the, like what can you walk walk me through how you would test something? Um, basically, it's it, it's a sorry about that. Um, <laughs> we should let our listeners know that one of the reasons that Eric is at the top of the program is we may get a text any moment now uh, that we have yeah. uh, a, a new arrival. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it wouldn't be a new arrival yet. Hopefully. <laughs> Unless something really happened fast, but yes, my wife is having contractions right now, so it's not Lee and Stone cutting me off uh, if you hear me leave the room. But yeah, so you know, if you go to a sales channel like like Amazon and, and test, so you can basically set up a listing. It's they're never in the history of the world have you been able to put something on the shelf at a major retail. You've never been able to walk into Walmart and say, I'd like to test to see how this product would do. That is non-existent. Good luck trying to get something on a Walmart shelf, but you can in about half an hour to two hours, get a product up and live on Amazon in front of its audience. And it's it's an amazing time. So like if I had, um, like you have your watch there and yes. I sell watches or I have access to watches, right? I can just take some pictures, Yep. put some pricing on there. Take some pictures, set up an account, create your listing, and then you can even buy some ad space mm-hmm. or drive some some traffic from Facebook and have a, a live listing up in, like I said, a couple hours. Wow. And He's that, singing your song, though, because you're so bigly on operating from real data. Right. Instead of theoretically going, oh, this is going to sell or this is going right. to be great. I and, think, then, and then buying 20,000 watches. Right. Instead of <laughs> six. <laughs> and, then, and then having a watch for every day right. of the week for the next five years. And a lot of... Christmas presents. Right. And so <laughs> it, it's, it's hard because a lot of people love to live in theory. They love to say like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. You don't have to live in theory anymore. Just stop talking. Stop having that great idea in your head and actually put it out there. And then, you know, there's a lot of bad ideas. So now have you found that you have maybe some stories you can share of something you thought was a slam dunk? You put it out there and it bombed or something you didn't, you know, have a lot of confidence in and it was successful? Um. I can't think of, so in my, my regular business, I'm already in front of traffic. So it really is a lot of brand name stuff that for whatever reason is not selling well locally. Mm-hmm. So it, it may have a, a very good online audience and presence, but locally 
Chattanoogans don't want it. So those are the type of items that I know are going to sell. There's a couple things every now and then. A lot of things are price driven. So, you know, you may think something's worth this and then, you know, you have to go a little bit lower to, to get it to sell. Um, I bought a company at the beginning of this year um, and it's a Nova White. It's a teeth white, home teeth whitening kits. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's huge market on Amazon, but it has been a challenge just trying to figure out the right price points and, and what customers are really looking for. But the beauty of online is these are easy things to test and make changes, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You, I mean, you could change you know, your headline, your, your, your points on your, your listing, your description, all that kind of stuff within a couple minutes and see if that's what's resonates with the audience. So copy is huge. Oh, like the actual words of the ad. Correct. Correct. But and, you can turn that on a dime to your point using yes, the process that right. you're advocating. Right. So, you know, if that's not converting and that's what it's all about is the conversion game. Amazon is in the business to sell stuff. So if your listing is converting well, they're going to promote you to their whole audience. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, I want to make sure that our listeners, particularly in the Chattanooga area, know how to get in touch with you if they just want to reach out and, and talk about business in general or if there's some substantive conversation they should have uh, you know, around this uh, business of um, online retailing. What's the best way for them to reach out and have a conversation with you? Okay, just so everybody knows, yes, we I am having a baby soon, so don't reach out today. <laughs> Today's a bad but, day. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm, w- the best way, honestly... Every Wednesday, 9 a.m., 1 million cups. I'm always there. I mean, everybody is like, what are you doing here? And I'm, and I'm there, uh, you know, as long as my wife isn't having other uh, things going on. But um, And the other way would just be uh, a simple email address is uh, Haybeck, my last name, H-A-B-E-C-K, the number 786 at yahoo.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for visiting with us this morning. Uh, please hang out with us for as long as nature allows. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what a marvelous segue to our next guest. Uh, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, uh, Mr. Michael Greenberg. Did you learn anything in that last segment? Or you already knew this guy pretty well, huh? I, I think I know him pretty well. Um, we've been going to One Million Cups together for just about since I got here. One Million Cups is actually how I entered the city of Chattanooga as well. So you're not from here either. Uh, no. I'm is anybody not that. from here? <laughs> I got one hand <laughs> from the cheap seats. They're not even at the table yet. <laughs> so uh, why don't you talk about uh, One Million Cups and uh, what kind of drew you to them? Yeah. So One Million Cups is an organization for entrepreneurs and run primarily by entrepreneurs sponsored by the Kauffman Foundation out of Kansas City. Every morning, at, every Wednesday morning. At 9 a.m., we meet uh, here in Chattanooga down at Green Spaces on Main, and we have a couple of presenters, uh, fellow entrepreneurs within the community who are presenting their story, their business, and then we get to talk about it a little bit afterwards. It's sort of like Business Radio X, <laughs> but with... But the, with coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, um, how'd you hear about it? Because this is uh, this is all over the country, right? Or if not the world? Yeah. So this is a national organization with about seventy uh, chapters now across the U.S. Um, and I was a participant in it, and I had presented in Columbia, South Carolina, where I was last, and before that in St. Louis. We're pretty close to Kansas City, where it started. So I was familiar with the program from there, and I knew that it was a great way to get connected to the community, to meet fellow entrepreneurs, and to really learn about what a city is um, in terms of business. And that's what the Kauffman Foundation, at its heart is, right? They're trying to encourage entrepreneurism? 
Uh, yes, that's their mission. That's their goal. And I think they do it very, very well. And then a million cups is kind of their way to put boots on the ground in these different markets. But it requires a person to be kind of a volunteer. Are you a volunteer or do you, how does that work to be? Because yeah. you're the point person here for a million cups. Um, I'm one of them. One so of we've them. got a few volunteer organizers uh, who all come every week and we keep it running. Uh, you can reach out to myself um, or any of our, our other organizers who are listed online at 1millioncups.com. And that's the number 1millioncups.com. That's correct. And then you could drill down to the chapter here in Chattanooga. Yep. And then um, what to walk us through like a meeting for people aren't, who aren't familiar. Like what's a meeting like? So the coffee arrives about 8.45. <laughs> so and, get there early. Yeah. And we do run out. <laughs> um Right around 9, 9.05 is when we're going to sit down for our first presentation, and we'll have a presenter, an entrepreneur, come up. Um, their business is generally going to be less than three years old. They're going to be ready to talk openly, mm -hmm. and that's my favorite part about One Million Cups. Um, so we have that first presentation between six and ten minutes, and then we go into Q&A. And then the group, and this is kind of a, it's organized, but it's kind of a free-for-all, right? Like anybody can ask a question. Does it cost money for the person to present? There? No, it's totally free. And right now you can actually win money by presenting. Um, during this summer, if you present at 1 million cups, you can then enter into a pitch competition where there is a cash prize um, and the finals are going to be in Kansas City at the Global Entrepreneurship Week. So somebody from Chattanooga will win Chattanooga and they'll be eligible. How's that work? Um, if you win for your region. So uh -huh. Chattanooga will be competing with other region regional uh, startups in the southeast. And if you win there, then you'll be able to move on up um, to the semifinals. And if you reach those, then you'll get flown out to KC. Wow. So Lee and I attended one of these meetings. We drove up from Atlanta. And I think we were actually referred to that opportunity from somebody at, at CoLab. It may have been how we discovered right. that. Uh, and isn't it like within three or four doors of a great uh, butcher shop? Isn't that where I got the sausage with the bacon <laughs> built into the sausage? Yeah, everything's built around I bacon. Mean, everything was coming up stone for me because I got a chance to, to, <laughs> to meet early stage <laughs> startup folks. Now you, Michael, you have a personal affinity for early stage startups. What's that all about? Yeah, so... Early stage is where I live, work, and play. Um, I started my career um, in companies and not as an entrepreneur with an early stage startup called Alumnify, who is now in the 500 Startups Accelerator program out in Mountain View. And I was with them for just over a year. I learned about how startups really work together mm -hmm. and during that time, I got to do a little bit of everything. So it really let me hone my craft as a, from a solo entrepreneur to being part of a team. And then you saw the benefits of collaboration. You saw a lot of that cool stuff that uh, people who don't realize a lot of solo entrepreneurs are kind of on an island, right? And this gave you an opportunity to kind of get a, a feel for being part of a, a team. Yeah. Um, when I joined Alumnify is when I really realized that two plus two can equal five. <laughs> So now what got you to Chattanooga? Um, again, 
alumni brought me here. Um, mm-hmm. We had received investment from a regional firm, and so I moved up here as part of that. I fell in love with the city um, mm-hmm. and with the startup community in general. And so then after alumni and I parted ways in January, I chose to remain here for the same reason. And then you really uh, decided to get involved with the entrepreneurial community as a whole and to be kind of a catalyst to help Chattanooga's entrepreneurs thrive? Yeah. Um, right around then is when I joined CoLab officially as a mentor for their Spring Accelerator program. And that's when I really started to help as much as possible. It's also when I joined One Million Cups and moved from just a visitor to an organizer. And your time and money and passion is invested now in specific businesses and helping CoLab. You spread pretty thin. What are you doing with your day, man? Yeah. So... During the CoLab Accelerator programs, I spend a good amount of time over there, but most of my day-to-day business is around software and web design consulting, as well as I'm working on a new concept called Startup Box with a few other CoLab mentors, local entrepreneurs, and uh, executives around town. And then um, any uh, advice for a young entrepreneur, somebody who's thinking about, you know, when you have a choice between getting a job or being an entrepreneur? Take a job first. (laughs) (laughs) His advice is yes. (laughs) Build up some capital. (laughs) Yeah. Be an entrepreneur, but understand what it means to run a business first, because I think most people don't understand, especially just those basic things. Like what are some of the basic things? Legal. HR, you can't pay people nothing, and equity does not count. (laughs) Startups make that mistake every day, and it leaves them wide open to a lawsuit at the end. So you see that? You've seen that happen? Oh, Sounds like you have scar tissue. (laughs) Time and time again, that is is the first mistake every company makes. That and not incorporating. Be an actual (laughs) business entity if you're going to do business. Um. It's really the simple stuff that nobody writes about are the things that everybody forgets to do. And those are the things that are going to cost you money in the long run. Mm -hmm. I would add to that list, get a customer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sell first, build later. Right. So uh, I want to hear a little bit more about Startup Box, though. Can Can you share a little bit about your plans for that? Yeah. So actually, I've got one of my Startup Box partners here. Dan Gilmore is going to be on in a bit. Um, but we are a group of startup guys and gals Mm -hmm. focused on those business foundations and the strategy behind a business. So we're an advisory team. We've all worked with startups before. Most of us have founded our own. Um, and we look to help take companies from either those early stages just after an accelerator or right when they're starting to raise their first round of capital. And we work with them to guide them through that process of raising. And then beyond, we then have our focus in operations and human resources and those back office things that most people don't like to do or don't know how to do. And we help guide you through that process. Now, are you angel investors? Are you actually investing in the companies? Um, We do not directly invest at this time. So you're a service provider to the startup? Yeah, we work, we have investor partners who Mm -hmm. we work with and who know us well. Um, And so we can help them sort of vet companies, so to speak, and do that human due diligence, as I like (laughs) to call it. Um, But our primary business is helping make companies succeed. 
Now, are you going to set up a physical facility for this, or are you going to be operating uh, a little more loosely than that? Or what do you get? What are your plans on that front? It's open to debate. Um, <laughs> we we've thought about opening our own facility, but at this point, until we know how many companies we're going to be working with and on what time frame. See, there's that get a customer thing. Yeah, that, that, oh, we, we have. We eat our own <laughs> cooking over here at this table, right? <laughs> we have those, um, but we don't know how big it right. is yet, so we don't want to end up getting space before we actually know how much we're going to be and using. And then primarily you'll be serving uh, companies in and around Chattanooga? Um, that's our beginning focus, though. We've talked with people, and our network expands out about two hours in every direction. Good stuff. Now, these patterns that you see, these fundamental mistakes, and it sounds like you've seen over and over again, we're not talking about things that necessarily cost a great deal of money i mean it's it's it doesn't cost all that much to get kind of buttoned up buttoned up right no it's very mm -hmm. cheap that's the funniest part is yeah. that the knowledge is expensive but only if you don't take the time <laughs> to prevent right. it <laughs> so well, they think they're saving money by not kind of doing this basic yeah. walking and tackling whereas this could be costing them you know their company literally if they don't right. get it right. No, the stakes are so high, right? Yeah. I mean, if you set aside ten to 20000 at the beginning of your business for accounting, for legal, for that first year, you will not have the problems that other companies run into because you've decided to put your best foot forward and you've made that commitment to building a solid foundation for your company. Well, keep up the good work, man. This sounds fantastic. I find it uh, very attractive. Everything that I've seen about the Chattanooga business landscape so far in our two or three visits here, I find very attractive. But um, the fact that, that so many people have come together and tried and, and are collaborating to help startups and early stage companies, keep up the good work and, and please stay in communication with us and let's find ways to continue to serve these folks. Oh, most definitely. All right, let's make sure, though, that our listeners know how to get in touch with you. What's the best way? So the best way to get in touch with me is either by going to One Million Cups every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Or you can reach me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Gentleman of Tech. Gentleman of Tech. Well, fantastic. Again, thanks for joining us. And let's do, let's stay connected. And let's yeah. make sure that we're leveraging this platform and all the great work you guys are doing to, to continue to support the business community, man. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey, hang out with us. We're going to visit with some other guests, okay? And one of them you indicated that you may know a little bit. I, I think <laughs> I know him a bit. All right. <laughs> Next up on Chattanooga Business Radio this morning, we have with us founder and attorney with Squire Strategies. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Mr. Dan Gilmore. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Sure. Um, can you talk a little bit about Squire Strategies? What are you guys doing for folks? Uh, certainly. And it's the, what you've been talking about with Michael is a perfect lead into a lot of the things that I work with most often with my clients. And that is, as you've talked about, Michael, an ounce of prevention versus a pound of cure is the real focus of the, pre the preventative, proactive uh, focus that I have in my practice. The kinds of things that Michael mentioned about misclassifying, compensating people the wrong way or not compensating people at all. Uh, it does have an inherent risk, and a lot of employers, small employers, uh, startups, uh, business of any size actually, are very tempted to, for example, 
classify people's independent contractors to avoid the cost of taxes and, and various insurance coverages when these people are actually employees with rights and privileges. Uh, and the government is becoming much more uh, attentive to and active in its enforcement uh, efforts, uh, particularly with certain industries. Uh, but the Department of Labor, for example, IRS, they each have their own interest in making sure that the individuals who are working for a company are properly classified and being properly paid and compensated. Now, how does that work, though, in terms of a lot of companies use like a virtual workforce? Well, it, no matter where you work, whether you work in a, f a facility or you work remotely, uh, depending upon the duties that you have for the company, depending upon the, the way that you're being paid or being compensated, uh, the law has certain requirements. And some of the requirements are not as clear as others, but they have. You're uh, telling me the government lacks clarity in some areas? I know that's shocking. But that's, <laughs> this is breaking news. That's right. <laughs> There's, uh, for example, if you're looking at the question of independent contractors, I'm looking at an issue now with a client in California, and there are various standards looking within the state uh, agencies, within the federal agencies, where you can literally have the same person doing the same job being classified as independent contractor by some agencies and, and employed by others. Wow. So it's um, That makes it fun. It does. It makes it challenging, and it, it does encourage employers to, in most cases, uh, play it safe and not try to push their luck with these mm -hmm. agencies who are uh, more and more looking over their shoulders. So I understand that you're a real advocate of exit interviews. What What is the thinking behind that? Why is that so important in, in your view? A lot of times if someone leaves, uh, particularly if they leave under less than pleasant circumstances, uh, the inclination is let them go underway. Let's just don't uh, right, right. hope that things will just you know, wish them luck. Uh, but if you've got problems that you need to be aware of, an exit interview is a great opportunity to find out what maybe should be fixed, can be fixed. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a client now who's been contracted to do exit interviews with a client of their own going back two years. They're going to contact people who left the company uh, up to two years ago and sit down with them and find out wow. why they left, what kind of feedback they can provide. And so it just allows the company to learn more about itself and not repeat the same mistakes potentially again. Now, in that case, is it better to have kind of an independent third party do those exit interviews or, you know, or, or will a person who's leaving feel more comfortable speaking freely? Well, it depends on if, if they've had issues with uh, a supervisor, for example, or a manager. You don't want to have that person conduct an interview. But you can have someone internally, as long as the person is perceived to be objective and, and is a good listener, mm -hmm. a good note taker, for example, where they can get the information that's as accurate as possible. Now, when a company is small, I can see they're, you know, they don't have a customer. They're getting started to invest money on this kind of infrastructure seems, doesn't seem logical well or, or cool <laughs> well, and, and that, you lose some of the cool factor when you start talking about hr stuff that is a big a great <laughs> right that's a very yeah. good question and and i get that a lot that we've got a culture here at this company and we have a certain vibe you know if we put too much structure in here <laughs> right then it's going to destroy our culture if we expect people to be at work at a certain time or show up on certain days it's that's going to run off people you know but they're there is a big challenge in what I do to create the structure that's necessary, at least the minimal structure, without mm -hmm. destroying that underlying culture. And right. you can do it within that culture, but the the benefit of having 
uh, predictability, consistency, reliability uh, with their policies or practices. Uh, it's going to pay off in terms of the morale of your employees. It's going to enhance that culture mm-hmm. rather than destroy the culture. Now, so what's, can you walk us through, like, what's that first conversation when you're dealing with this entrepreneur and, and you're broaching these subjects? Well, what I do, it, it's, I have a very formal audit procedure that I can go through and have with certain clients, but I like to start out more informally, just get a feel for who do they have, what are the people they have, what do they do, mm-hmm. uh, how do they do it, how do they classify them, how do they pay them, how do they document the things that uh, that take place in the workplace, do they have performance reviews, to find out what kind of structure does exist. Like where are they at right now? Right, yeah, and then make an assessment of that. It's a, it's a diagnostic process. Right. I compare it a lot with going to the doctor and saying, I want to, I need to get examined. So they're going to put you through uh, maybe a battery. Of tests, right? yeah, they're going to do, and then there's a treatment phase and the treatment may be get more exercise, take a pill. Right. Uh, it may be, we need to amputate. Something. <laughs> <laughs> so, I hope not. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you never know until, until you, you get take in a there. deep dive and you look very closely at uh, what they're doing, how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and you, I hope to have, and I, I enjoy working most with those clients who really want to know whether or not they're doing it right and, and don't want it to, sure. and they don't want to shy away from the reality of maybe there are some problems they need to be aware and then of. The, and a lot of times these problems are fixable, right? Yeah, they really yeah. are. And they much easier to fix them earlier than earlier later, right? than wait for, get a, a letter from a lawyer, from an ex-employee, <laughs> and then you're trying to, as I say, put Humpty Dumpty back together again, <laughs> which is not always possible. Right. So now, um, can you talk a little bit about um, when you have a company that may or may not be doing it right, and they come to you, and then you're telling them some tough news? Can you walk through what that's like? Well, a lot of times it helps to provide some examples of what this kind of situation can turn into right. if, it's, if it's left unattended or unaddressed. Uh, and that helps them, I think, get a better sense of the risk they're running rather right. than uh, just being theoretical about it. And I've gone through in my 25 years of practice, I've seen a little bit of everything of what can happen if issues are not addressed uh, before they blow up. Right. And it's always, like you said, it's always better to deal with. At some point, you're going to have to deal with it, and it's better to deal with it sooner than later. It, it is. And that's, if you saw my list of services I provide, I list the proactive services first and then reactive is the way that I've and reactive is and I've uh, I, I teach a, a course at UTC on employment law and I tell my students every once in a while I show up in a coat and tie and they look at me kind of funny because that's not the way I normally, normally dress these right. days and I, and I tell them this is my Daniel B. Gilmore Esquire costume <laughs> and my clients prefer that I not exactly. dress like this because it means I'm in front of a judge I'm in right. front of a administrative uh, judge or I'm in front of an investigator, uh, they like to have me behind the scenes working uh, right. arm in arm with them. And proactively. Exactly. Right. And, and not avoiding the situations where you're at the mercy of a judge or a jury or a, a hearing officer. And those those are not pleasant for the client. Now, some of the tr- uh, things change so rapidly, right? The laws change. Like, isn't there something big? Like, a, to go from 49 to 50 employees, isn't that some threshold of something? Right now, that, <clears throat> excuse me, what you're probably referring to is the Affordable Care Act, uh, also known as Obamacare, uh, next year will start impacting employers with 50 or more full-time equivalent employees. Mm-hmm. 
And that's a, another example of the way that, that that is defined, how you determine if you have full-time equivalent, which is a term in the act, as compared to if you have 50 employees for the Family Medical Leave Act. Right. That's a different way of calculating. Some employers may be covered under one and not the other. Uh, there's just a wide range of definitions, and you have to figure out which one you're looking at, make sure you're looking at the right one, uh, and, and, and some may apply and some may not. So uh, I have a chart that I uh, provide in training or to clients that start with one, five, up to 100 plus. And as you get larger, other statutes and obligations kick like, in. Like, yeah, more and more things. And you need to be aware of that before you just – and the, the risk is you start growing. And you think, well, when we, when we get to a point we kind of level off – then we'll sit down and assess right. where we are. And you may have blown through these thresholds. <laughs> or more than one. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you've got you've got employees with rights that they may or may not be aware of. But if, you, if you're not prepared to right. be able to provide those benefits that you're obligated to provide, uh, it just puts you behind the, the eight ball and you just don't want to be there. And, and if you're an entrepreneur, it's hard enough to run your business. But then to add this layer of keeping track of all this stuff, it's just much better to hire somebody who this is all they're thinking about. Exactly. That's... I look at it like I do with my uh, CPA, my accountant. Uh, I could, if if you gave me enough time, I could figure out, look at the IRS, right. uh, the the code, and figure things out. But it's not worth my time when there's people out there that they're that's their expertise, and that's what I do to provide those clients who have the awareness that they don't know what they don't know, but know that uh, it's my job to be aware of what's out there, what they need to be uh, mindful of, and help them. Uh, be in compliance. Well, I got to tell you, I would be particularly motivated to work with an attorney that also has an entrepreneurial mindset and a you know a, a genuine degree of of empathy and understanding for that frame of reference. So I feel like I could really communicate with them because candidly, there may be some very uh, talented and technically proficient attorneys that I know I may just have a hard time communicating with, and then we still may not reach the objectives that we need to reach. Well, you're exactly right, Stoney, and that's, that's why I've enjoyed so much the work I do. For example, you've heard mention already about the CoLab here. Right, uh, right. I'm a mentor this summer in the Geek Tank program, working not necessarily in my a legal capacity because I'm working helping them uh, provide input to where they're going with their company. And so at some point when they are successful enough to have individuals that may be employees, may be independent contractors, uh, maybe interns, uh, then I'm in a position to be able to advise them and create the kind of foundations that Michael talked about that are necessary before you continue to grow. All right, before we let you go, let's get the real skinny on this startup box thing because I'm uh, I'm kind of excited about that. I mean, we're going to be coming back to through town over the summer. We're going to try to capture some more interviews, continue to meet with business leaders. It's our intent to establish a permanent business radio X presence here in the Chattanooga terrific, market. Terrific. As we do, I certainly want to continue to work with folks like startup boxes and, and, and with those entrepreneurs, help them get the word out about what they're trying to do. Uh, you know, we heard Michael's story, but let's just set that aside. What's the real What's the real deal on this startup box thing? The startup box is something that came out of, uh, as he mentioned, Colab, and he and Ira Weiss, another mentor with Colab, and it's become a good friend. Uh, we started looking at the need for guidance uh, and advice and counsel uh, to companies at certain stages. There's plenty of opportunities within the accelerators, but particularly after they leave the accelerator and where do they go from there, uh, we feel like there's a there's an opportunity for and a need for people like like myself uh, or Ira, for example, from the, the standpoint of providing advice on uh, 
how to obtain the types of investment and the type the, the forms of investment that are best for your best suited for your business. Uh, Michael, as you see, a gentleman of tech. I love that title. Yeah, isn't uh, that great? That, that's something I could never be. Nobody would ever accuse me of that. So uh, you're the squire of tech. I'm the squire. <laughs> there you go. And we also one of our other um, uh, colleagues is has her own HR company here in the Business Development Center uh, where I'm officed. And she and I work a lot with uh, mutual clients on uh, helping them from both an HR and legal standpoint get up to speed. So we felt like that we have combined uh, skills, experience to, to work together collaboratively. We're still working on how we're going to do it just from a practical standpoint. Right. It's still coming together, but with things like Startup Week coming up here in the fall, which you'll be hearing much more about, um, there's a lot of just uh, – this, good opportunity this to fall, let people know. Startup week. Startup week will be this fall. Uh, it's mid October. I wish I could remember the exactly the dates. Um, well, no, but yeah. let's do get them when we can because right. that may be a great opportunity to set up a remote broadcast for that. No, you definitely. Right. So that's going to yeah. be. Uh, it, this will be the second annual, uh, and also make a note on your on your calendar. July twenty eighth is going to be demo day for the Colabs Gig Tank program. Oh wow! Which uh, will be at Girls uh, Preparatory School. Uh, across the river it was there last year for the first time as a girls uh, all girls uh, uh, private school that uh, was a terrific host for the program you'll see all the teams this summer pitching uh, it just it's a great event and so if you're able to work a broadcast around that i think it'd be very very helpful right. worthwhile fantastic all right where can our listeners go to learn more what's the best way for them to reach out and have a conversation with you best way is dan at squirestrategies.com all right. And Squire, tell that's you, your I'm, website? No, that's my email. Right, but there's your website, squirestrategies.com. Yeah, yeah, the best way to reach me is, and you can reach me uh, through the email, through the website, but uh, as my wife would tell you, I'm looking at my email much more than I should, so you can get me very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks again for joining us, and let's do, let's, let's do this some more, and clients that you're working with, folks that you're trying to help get their thing off the ground, if there's value to them, and often there is, in sharing their story, uh, let's just make it happen because we're quite sincere. But we we, we love are to. we love to. We're coming, and when we get here for good, we're we're going to be here to stay. And we and we just love what what you and everybody else we've been visiting with this morning. We love what you guys are well, doing. Well, thank you man. very much for the opportunity. It's uh it's been a real pleasure. All right, hang hang out with us. We still got a couple more folks we're going to visit with this morning. We'll do. All right. Next up on Chattanooga Business Radio, we have with us the Chief Marketing Officer. Uh, I guess he's uh, right up there with the Grand Poobah for Nectar Marketing. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Mr. Carlos Pialago. Hey, man, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, you've been very patient. I've seen you nod your head a little bit. Uh, I don't know. It looked like maybe you were writing a few notes down. Have you learned anything in those first few segments? Well, yeah, man. These these guys are, are telling the truth. They you got to get you got rock star close, buddy. There Sorry you about go. that. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're telling the truth, man. They're giving you good information, and it's it's interesting to see the advice that they're giving out coming out of that phase. So. We've been in business for a year and a half, and we actually worked from home for the first year to, you know, attribute some of our capital to the, the specific things right. that they're talking about. So now, can you talk about Nectar Marketing? What are you guys doing for folks? Yeah, absolutely. We're an online digital marketing company. We focus primarily in this city on small businesses and helping them grow in that first year, giving them all the tools that they need to make a brand online mm -hmm. and, and grow that way. So uh, what, what are some of the, the firms you've helped grow so far? Okay. Yeah, we've worked with several local shops. Um, 
you know, Chattanooga Vapor Company. We've also worked with the Chattanooga Brewing Company to set up their website as they were, you know, beginning to grow. And so you help build websites and kind of online presence. Absolutely. Well, we're a one-stop shop. You know, we do everything from social media to analytics and conversion optimization Mm -hmm. to, you know, SEO, which search engine optimization and right. And just like Dan was saying, like you know, you may not know everything about the law. The the Google algorithms change and to be current on what social media channels appropriate, it that's a full-time job by itself, isn't it? That's got to be a moving target. Exactly, exactly. And that's what we do for our clients and is we make sure that we stay up to date so that they don't have to worry about all of that stuff. Right. If we're up to date with it, we can make sure that they are. And, you know, that's the, the primary service that we've been offering over this first year with you know, primarily those small businesses who are just starting now, out. Now, you call yourself an inbound marketing company. What, what does that mean? Basically, that's just being in the space, providing great information where people are already looking for you. You know, so if we're talking about startups, we're talking right. about small businesses, giving those people valuable information that's going to help them grow and find you online. And that's going to be the way that we draw people to our clients and ourselves. So you help a person be found online? Exactly, exactly. So we have not spent, you know, $1 on advertising. All of our, you know, strategy has been inbound. Again, providing value, providing great information to people that are looking for that information. So they, they find you. As you. A resource. Exactly. So that's kind of the, the trick there is to, to be found and have, you have to do some things strategically and I guess create some content or create something that allows you to be found by people you want to find you. Exactly correct. And we, our business, all, all of the people who've begun it, um, we all have a, a very strong sales background. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, making sure that we um, build trust, that's one of the biggest things right. with selling anybody and maintaining customers. And so building trust through giving away information for free right. is a great hmm. way to do that. Right. right as you start. So you want to create value for your potential customer, whether they use you or not, but you just want to be kind of seen as an expert or somebody that knows what they're doing so they trust you and then at some point they'll do business with you. Exactly. And this doesn't necessarily have to be, like in the case we had some early guests who are actually selling product online. The, the product or service I'm selling may not occur online, but online still a good medium to begin to share value and begin to communicate is that accurate absolutely absolutely everyone is online now and if you're not you're a step behind (laughs) so we want to make sure that you are you know showing up where people are searching for you so that your brand can grow so that that awareness grows and then you know hopefully from there you're doing well with whatever your specialty is so that you can have sales or grow customers or you know get more traffic. All right, so let's walk this through. Business Radio X. We have five or six um, affiliate studios in the Atlanta area. We have one in Raleigh. We're getting one going in Pensacola, and it looks like an uh, actually a seventh one in the Atlanta area. We're going to set something up in Chattanooga. We'd like to have permanent studio presence uh, all over the country, all over the planet. A lot of our content at the moment, the way people get to it, is online. Uh, more and more people listen to it as it's happening, like we're broadcasting live right now. But candidly, uh, you know, a lot of folks are in business are busy at 1043 in the morning. So they're going to listen to this Saturday when they're hitting a bucket of balls after they find out about it. Like right at the moment, nobody probably knows about Chattanooga Business Radio. How would this work? Would we all would we get together and just sit down and talk at first? Walk us through an engagement, like if we were working with you on this kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, the first thing we would do is 
get to know your business. We would get to know your goals, what you're trying to do. You know, mm -hmm. So you guys are trying to be in front of startups, small businesses, businesses that are growing. We would develop what we call a persona for that. Okay. Specific things that they are looking for. And we would tailor all of our content for those personas so that when they're looking for you know, small business information, small business tips, you know, these types of things, then you guys would pop up as a resource, you know, at any given time, whether that so be a blog. So if someone typed that in right now, they may or may not come across us. Right. If, if they did it certainly not because of anything Lee and I did, I tell you <laughs> But the goal would be right? to, you know, with the content and with what we do behind the scenes to have you guys show up on the first page in Google because, you know, really who goes beyond that first page in right. Google? And so that's, right. the, that's the goal is to get your content, whether that's, you know, okay, so we do X. this persona thing. Mm -hmm. All right, and then what? Yeah, then we would we would build that content specifically targeting them. We'd have information in there that the language that they're looking for. You know, Integrated also, into our website. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And so another thing that you know we do, we're we're Google partners, and so we have access to you know lots of keyword information and a lot of stuff from Google themselves. You got the inside track. Yeah. All right. Now we also want. Uh, Dan's interview to be found. We want Michael's interview to be to be found. We want we want everybody's interview to be found. So this is an ongoing, very diligent effort. It, does it even go down to how we represent um, the posting of the interview so that it contains these terms that people are looking? Does it go down to that? Degree? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that we focus on is making sure that your branding, your SEO. You know, everything that you're doing with those personas is consistent because you want people to have the same experience, whether they're finding you on social media, whether they're finding you on Google, whether you're finding, finding right, you so with any other channel. So this could be fun. Let's define the persona that wants to listen to Michael Greenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we we'll save it. that for another episode. <laughs> no, it sounds like a lot of work. It sounds important. And you got to stay out in front of it. And you, you, you I think... Uh, graciously said you're a step behind if you're not doing this i yeah. i suspect you're several steps behind and i'm getting nods all over the room here yeah i would agree you know just trying to be nice <laughs> <laughs> so now uh let's talk a little more ne of nectar why nectar isn't spelled in a conventional manner what is uh the thinking behind that yeah absolutely so you know we, we've been talking since the beginning of the show about startups and, and making sure that we're doing things right so you know when you go to the definition of nectar nek is to overcome and ter is to overcome death or obstacles. Oh, wow. You know, so really what we're looking at is, is helping business and, and primarily small businesses overcome those obstacles, whether that be through sales, whether that be, you know, getting leads, whether that be through, you know, having their brand, you know, be rebranded or right. having people find them. You know, it's overcoming that obstacle so that people know their brand. So now uh, you have a nurture program. Can you speak about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, Chattanooga, is booming with startups, small business. Right. And there's also, um, you know, tons of marketing companies in town. There's tons of digital agencies, and we knew that coming in. So putting those two together, we came up with our nurture program. Basically, what we do is break our marketing up over the course of a year. Basically, we finance it. Mm -hmm. So we tell a small business, hey, these are the things that you need to grow over this year. And we know what that's going to take. We know what that's going to cost us. And then we break it down over the course of that year so that you don't have businesses who are strapped for capital up front. A lot of agencies will say, hey, we to build a website, we need $5,000. We're going to need half of that up front, and then half when we're done. Right. But we can break that up over the course of the year. So That's that a lot of money to a startup early stage company. Or exactly. A lot of, it would have been to us, I'm sure. Yep. And so if we do our job in the nurture program, by the third month, we're returning their investment. We're bringing them leads, so now 
they are paying us right. and you know they're already being paid through their clients and it's it's no loss to them but they have what they need all right speaking of nurture um because i get the sense that a trap uh a business person like myself could fall into is you have this great big thrust and we just just go hog while we get the business radio x name out there we get some more affiliates operating in different areas we get them to uh kind of get with the program you know we get coached up on how to do all this and use the right words and everything but it, it, it strikes me as something you really have to stay on top of and sustain or it could it could fall off just as quick as you built it up you got to keep that thing going right absolutely and that's another benefit of the year-long package you know that we're going to be there with you for the entirety of the year and so our goal is to help people build on that first year and then by the time we move into the second year then we've moved them up into a package where there's different services because they have different needs and so we've gotten to know the brand we've built the product over the course of the year and we know what the next step is going to be to help them grow so we've built it into different phases where we can actually you know start with somebody at the beginning and, and move them all the way through it well, if somebody wants to learn more, is there a website? Absolutely. You can learn more about us at Nectar.com. That's N-E-K-T-U-R. Or you can look us up on social media. Our um, our hashtag is at MyNectar, and also our screen name on Instagram and Twitter is at MyNectar as well. And if you type in any of the stuff, you should be able to get to him, especially if you're in the Chattanooga area, it's what the guy does. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Well, thanks so much for coming and visiting with us, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You're going to stay with us? we got one more guest we're going to visit with. All right. Fantastic. All right, Lee, you ready for the headliner? This That's guy's right. been so patient. The pressure's on him. The guy shows up 930, quarter to mm-hmm. 10. You know, it's almost 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. He's been very polite. It looked like he got a little work done on his on his laptop. But I, I will say, I saw him. There was a couple times where, where Michael and Eric and, and, and Dan and Carlos said something that this guy thought was reasonably smart because he, he, he was nodding his head a, a lot. Uh, so I'm anxious to to have this voice join us in our inaugural broadcast, please join me in welcoming from ZipFlip, Mr. Tim Kelly. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. So can you share a little bit about uh, ZipFlip? What are you guys doing? Well, um, I am a car dealer by trade originally. I grew up here in Chattanooga, and um, I didn't really consider myself sort of a uh, conventional car dealer and more of a sort of a student of the business still have a couple of dealerships uh, have had a lot but um, I developed this product um, with my co-founder Joe Allegre really uh, originally to to help dealers um, with a, with a product that would sit on a car at night like a silent salesman but we quickly figured out that um, the most underserved segment of the market is actually people who buy and sell cars themselves uh, on Craigslist for example so uh, ZipFlip is a tool designed, it's sort of a portable online marketplace that helps people sell cars safer, uh, smarter, and simpler, we like to say. So now walk me through it. I got a car, or I, I need a car for my kid or something like that. How does this yeah, work? Yeah, it's, you know, in this case, a lot of times in the two-sided market, there's a, you know, kind of a chicken and the egg problem. In this case, the chicken is definitely the seller. Uh, you, you know, we're looking for folks that would put a car on uh, on Craigslist, and but they're either scared to have had a bad experience. A lot of women we've we've spoken to are just you know would would love to do it, but are kind of petrified by the idea. Um, and so we went to work and studied um, a lot of peer to peer websites, Airbnb, Uber. We looked at dating websites. We looked at pet adoption websites, and uh, 
you know, figured out that those uh, identity verification features are really key right, to, to get people comfortable. comfortable. Sure. And so that's really it. We're looking for um, uh, folks who would put a car on Craigslist, but but use our tool instead. You use Zip Flip, you you can turn around and post the car right back to, to Craigslist or Facebook or Twitter. Right. It's not like an either or. No, 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 no. It's a both and. We like to say it's a bit like a credit card in a way. It just sort of, it's an envelope of benefits that goes wherever the car goes. And so you don't have to go kind of park your car under the virtual big tent of an auto trader. It, it's, uh, it's, it's a benefit. It's a package of benefits. It goes, you know, wherever you want to talk about. The okay. Car. So I got this car. Where I go to ZipFlip.com. Go to ZipFlip. You put the VIN and the miles in. Uh, put a take little. Take some pictures. Take some pictures, and you're and you're done. You know, basically. Um, and then what happens? Well, again, you can post it to Facebook. Put it on your Facebook page. Put but it on I'm Twitter. not going to. I trust you guys. You're my guy. So I'm. Well, no, no, no. You can do whatever else you want with it because here's the pricing model, um, and we send you a sticker. We send you. You know, it's amazing to me the 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 durability of that crappy old sign that you buy is hardware. <laughs> that you know, for sale. Five, 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 one, two, one, two for yeah. sale. So we, we have went, been through about nine iterations of sticker designs and finally came up with one that we that we're really happy with. It's clinic very, very well. And it has an interactive code, uh, a text code on it. So you just put it on your car and you can continue to drive your car. Um, there's no price, which is by design. And if somebody stumbles across it, it, you know, church or school or in the Bilo parking lot, uh, they text in the code and get back all the information about the car, including the price, including the price at that point. The key there Very is nice. if you drop the price later on, uh, everybody gets an update that, mm -hmm. that you have in fact dropped the price and it's powered by Edmunds.com. Edmunds gave us basically the keys to the kingdom with their API, um, which is, which was hugely, um, valuable to us and in fact we won a pinch competition that they did back in uh, february which we're very proud of because it was 18 teams from around the country and you know we won both the grand prize and the consumer choice award uh so uh, i'm getting off topic though but but the long and short of it is we we send you that sticker um you can put on your car it's free until it sells when it does sell the seller uh, excuse me the buyer puts in the credit card information for 100 bucks um, but they get back 50 as a credit on the balance owed when, when it comes time to pay for the car. Mm -hmm. And you get um, electronic documentation, uh, title search, title verification, and a warranty, a 30-day, 1,000-mile uh, warranty on the car as well. So we think it's a great value. So if I'm the seller, I'm offering a warranty that I'm not having to pay for? Correct. And then I don't even pay for the service because the buyer is paying for the service? Nope. That's right. You're right. I do. That is very attractive. <laughs> yeah, I've been at this a while. <laughs> and you're still running these other more conventional car dealerships. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely a serial entrepreneur to a fault. I mean, I grew up in the car business. Had a lot of. Um, um, had we the family had a lot of uh, different franchises over the years. Um, sold off the non-performers. Uh, lost a couple of GM stores uh, in that GM bankruptcy. We didn't uh, bankrupt, but mm -hmm. they decided they didn't love us anymore. And during right. that process, which it turns out to have been a blessing, but I, um, I went back to Emory in Atlanta and got my MBA kind of late in life. And uh, it was like the scales fell from my eyes. I'm like, I'm wasting <laughs> a lot of time dealing with a lot of really <laughs> stupid people who are making my life miserable and not even making money. So uh, got rid of the, the a lot of the non-performing franchises and still have a Subaru store, which is um, really great, and a uh, Honda motorcycle store, which is actually the Honda biggest Honda motorcycle store in the country here in Chattanooga, um, which is just kind of an odd 
thing, different story. Um, was a founding um, member of Chattanooga FC, the semi-pro soccer team here in town. Have got interest in a couple of restaurants, so I'm. Uh, my wife wants to strangle me most days. <laughs> so, but uh, so you're people. no stranger to this whole crowd that we've been talking. Not to. at all. all. I've been. I'm, I grew up in Chattanooga. Right. Um, it's been. A gra- I went away to New York, went to Columbia to college, and really didn't think I'd come back here. Um, took kind of a leap of faith with the city and came back, right. and it's just been incredibly gratifying to see to see the city become what it has become because it was not that great a place in 1989, <laughs> let me tell you. Well, I'll be perfectly candid with you as Lee and I were looking at and thinking through our plans to, to grow the, the business and kind of spread the wealth. We got an, a great little thing going right. in Atlanta and we spread it out a little bit. The criteria that Chattanooga initially met to be perfectly candid with you, it's an hour and a half drive from my doorstep. Yep. It's only after we came here, visited around, we went to the Million Cups thing you've heard us talk about. We've had conversations with Eric and, and Michael, uh, visiting with, uh, with Catherine and Tabitha here at the center has, has just been a marvelous experience. And we are discovering to our great delight this place is just rocking. Yeah. I, mean, I can't wait to become a, a more of a an integral part of the business landscape right. here. There's a lot uh, that's been kind of said and written about why that is, and it's yeah. it's fascinating. But they I, said I, it was a car dealership. That's what, that's that's what, what I heard. It's the Kellys. You guys <laughs> <Yeah>. were really <laughs> right. the yeah. beating heart of this. <laughs> yeah, not that, but it, it's the it's you know the size of the city is part of it. Uh, this is this place has always kind of functioned like a city state. I think. You know, we never really felt like part of Tennessee. We always kind of get the shaft legislatively and economically from Nashville. <laughs> Atlanta is kind of like this death star that sucks in most of the economic activity in the region, you know. So we kind of love to hate Atlanta. Uh, but it, but again, Atlanta makes a lot of things possible for us. Um, so, But it, it is a little bit of a... Uh, David to the to Atlanta's Goliath, I guess. But and you're coming into your own. Yeah, I'm no gonna doubt. say we yeah. are coming into our own because we're gonna be a part of this community. But yeah, no, it, look, it's it's a it's a wonderful thing, and I think part of it has to do with the size. But as one of the guests said earlier, it is um, you still have that feeling here. I mean, I just got back from 3686, this uh, pitch competition up in Nashville, and the Chattanooga teams were like a one big unit team. I mean, they're rooting for each other. There's an incredible sense of, right. uh, you know, common spirit and camaraderie that just isn't there, you know, with the Nashville people. And, and um, from my experience, my dad's whole family's from Atlanta. I've spent a lot of, a lot of my life in Atlanta, but you know, it's a huge city and it's a, and it's got a lot of transient. It's not that Chattanooga doesn't, but I don't know. It, it is, it's definitely an intangible, but Chattanooga has this uh, spirit that is really pretty unique. So now for zip flip, you're, Anybody anywhere in the country can take advantage of this, right? Not right now. We're trying to take it slow. We, we're really just kind of trying to trickle out a private beta here and make sure, because it is a here, big... Here, specifically in Chattanooga specifically or in Chattanooga, Tennessee? In Chattanooga. Uh-huh. I mean, we could theoretically do it because, you know, tag and title work, we, we're, we're not all the way through taking it all the way to getting your tags in the mail, but... Um, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to disappoint. And, and there are a lot of moving pieces to this. I mean, it's kind of the old axiom. If it were simple, somebody else would already be doing it. Right. Uh, it's not simple and, uh, it's a big ambitious, uh, application. So, but that's know, your intention is to take it. At some yeah, point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then, so right now, if you're in the Chattanooga area, you can take advantage of it by going to zipflip.com. Zipflip.com. You can just sign up for our private beta. I think my CTO, I think 
last night just sent the invitation out to to throw it wide open to Chattanooga to have it just a, a again a public beta mm-hmm. in Chattanooga. So I think I think we're there. That's his call, not mine. But now your company is based here in the incubator. It is. Yeah. What was the thing, What was the thinking about that? Well, um, we were renting some space over on Main Street, and um, I, you know, we had a former company president who just sort of didn't like the idea of uh, having to go through the the process. And you know, we kind of had our philosophical differences and parted ways very amicably. And at that point, I kind of stepped in and and uh, took over both chairman and CEO role. And the first thing I did was go, why why are we here when we could be in the incubator with all these other startups, paying, uh, you know, really really competitive rent uh and um and, you know the environment's just great it's uh it's so so far has it met your expectations absolutely other than a leaky roof uh <laughs> which is part of it we actually we met with a guy with a ton of money who i will um uh, who shall remain unnamed who said you know we were we we're actually over on main street uh on a second floor loft and he said you guys are just um a little too comfortable to be a startup and i'm used to seeing guys you know, uh, working around card tables with, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, with a leaky roof. And so as soon as we got in over here and we had a, we he had a roof you. leak and, and all this stuff, you know, we sent him a picture and went, here, here you go, you go. You're happy now. <laughs> we got a leaky roof. Uh, so no, no, no. I mean, it, but it's, it's a great facility. Chattanooga is damn lucky to have it. And, uh, and right. And it's serving, uh, I mean, I think there's what 50, 60 companies yeah. being served here. Yep. At the and I've got friends at the Atlanta tech village, um, uh, colleagues and friends and spent a fair amount of time down there and that's a hell of a facility, but uh, this, you can't beat the price, right. uh, you can't beat the environment, and you can't beat just kind of being in Chattanooga, I think. Well, thank you so much for being part of the show, and thank that's zipflip.com you if you're in Chattanooga it. and you want to sell or buy a car, that is the place to go. No yeah. excuses, right? None at all. It's, uh, <laughs> it's free till it sells, so there's no reason not to try it. Uh, well, Stone, what do you think? I think this is a fantastic way to to launch Chattanooga Business Radio. Thank you all. This has been fantastic. And I want to give a special shout out to the folks here at the Incubator who are allowing us to broadcast live from uh, one of their offices. And if you want to learn more about them, go to chattanoogachamber.com slash incubator and uh, check it out. This is a great place to launch a business if you are in Chattanooga or I guess anywhere in the Tennessee region that would like to launch out of here. This is a wonderful, wonderful location. Thanks to all of our guests. And this is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Chattanooga Business Radio.